Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pardon My Pancreas. My name is Matt Vandevecht, and I'm a certified trainer and nutritionist, one of your hosts today, and the other host is Ali Abdul Karim. He is a social media influencer, an incredible guy, and we are both type 1 diabetics here to share our knowledge and experiences with you. We occasionally interview people that are very knowledgeable in the diabetic world, sometimes doctors, sometimes influencers, people living with it. And this episode is brought to you by FTF Warrior, an online health coaching company for diabetics. And we will go further by saying this is not medical advice in any manner. We are not doctors. We will never be doctors. And nothing said on this podcast is meant to replace your doctor's order. So consult your doctors before you make changes. Without any further ado, let's get into... What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pardon My Pancreas Podcast. Today, we have an exciting topic for all you world travelers out there. We're going to talk about traveling the world and how uh, how to best do that with diabetes. So today, we have Abby online with us. Thank you, Abby, for joining the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And Abby, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who are not familiar with your Instagram, uh, maybe where you're from and a little bit about your diagnosis? Sure. Um, so my name's Abby. I go by Diabetes Travel Chick online. Um, I have an Instagram that kind of showcases my travel and I try to inspire people with type 1 diabetes or type 2 to travel and just get out there and experience the world. Um, a little about my diagnosis. Jump back, I was 17 years old. Um, you know, I experienced all the normal symptoms that at the time, we didn't know were symptoms, and I'm such a hypochondriac, so I would never just go to the doctor. Um, I just kind of like ignore it, pretend like it's not there. I'm so nervous about it. Um, but so I let it go for a couple days, and my dog actually ended up getting really sick around the same time. So we have a family friend who's a vet, and he came over to our house and he was checking my dog out, and my mom was just chatting with him and telling him my symptoms. So he came over to me and gave me a ketone test, which is, um, we know like the ketone test is just checks the level of sugars in our blood. It's like a pee test. So anyways, I took that test and it came back really dark, which is bad. And so he immediately said, we need to go to the hospital. We need to go to the emergency room. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm kind of like in the dark. My mom's freaking out. So the vet drives us to the hospital um, we leave my dog, <laughs> her checkup got postponed. And so we got to the emergency room and it was all just kind of a blur from there. I got diagnosed with type one diabetes and they gave me, you know, the quick brief intro, what it is. Here's your insulin. Here's how you do it. Here's what you can eat. And then I was thrown back into the world and kind of figured it out, um, through the end of my high school years. Then Wow. So you said you were diagnosed at age 17? 17, yeah. And then I guess essentially you were kind of diagnosed by a vet. Yeah, I was. I was. (laughs) It was crazy because I would never have brought myself to the doctor hospital until it probably was in a much worse state. Uh, I I went in, I think, at like 850 or something. Wow. And they said that was borderline. Like if it went much higher, I would have been way worse off. So... I'm really glad that that my dog got sick in a way. She saved my life. <laughs> yeah. And then, so that was during high school that you were diagnosed. Can you, what was that like? 
that was hard. I was um, really into athletics. I did gymnastics full time and track, and it was prime season. Um, and I honestly just jumped right back into it right when I came back. I came back the next day to school. Holy like, cow! I, yeah, I was almost in denial. I, I listen to a lot of your podcasts, and I, I hear some a lot of people say that um, they're kind of in denial for the first you know, week or so, kind of like don't want it to yeah. be happening. That was me too. So yeah. I jumped if, right if back. I into ignore sports. it, maybe it's not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jumped right back into sports. Didn't even tell anybody really, um, just my family. And it was when I got my first low in gymnastics when it kind of got freaked me out. And I kind of took a step back from sports, told my coaches. I didn't even tell my coaches at first, actually. Yeah. So, oh, wow. and then I, I took it a lot more seriously and just made it more part of my life after that first low. What was that first low like for you? Um, it was like, I was about to pass out. I, I thought I was just like passing out. I didn't even really understand what was happening. I didn't register it as being a low, like after having it for eight years or so now, I know the exact feeling like this is low you know, I, I don't even get really scared anymore because it's so such a normal feeling. Um, but that first time, oh my gosh, yeah, it was the scariest thing. I think everyone can relate. Oh yeah, I mean, especially when you're first starting out because it's this foreign experience of what's going on. Yeah. Why am I, you know, losing all feeling and my I'm sweaty and shaky and all that stuff. Uh, that can totally. be a very scary time initially. And playing sports was kind of hard because it's I mixed up the feelings I was you know, already like sweating from the sport, a little shaky and tired. So that was, I actually, at first, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was just like, I was exhausted, you know, from the sport, but then I felt like I was passing out and, and that's when I realized, oh, oh, I have diabetes. (laughs) Wow. So this is for my own curiosity. I ran track in high school as well. What events did you run or were you a field type track person? Yeah, I did. Um, pole vaulting. Pole vaulting, no way. Yeah, so it kind of went with gymnastics. It was fun. Wow. My dad was a pole vaulter, and uh, I wanted to get into it, but my high school didn't have the insurance necessary, and so I never got to even try. Oh, it was fun. It was super weird and fun. I liked it. Does it feel like you're flying through the air? It does, yeah. We had one guy that went like 15 feet on my team. Oh, my goodness. And that was so crazy to watch him. He went to college for it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So you, uh, you were a gymnast in high school, you did track and field, you were an athlete and did, and you said initially you went right back into it, but did diabetes ever get in the way of being an athlete or wanting to achieve anything in that area? Honestly, I think it helped me. Um, I was so in shape in high school, like to think I'm in shape now, but definitely more in shape when I was doing two sports. And so my blood sugars I mean, I had that honeymoon phase, so that helped. But my blood sugars were really steady that first couple of years while I was still in high school because I was so active. So I just kind of used them like to help each other. I used the sports to help my blood sugars, and and I had to stay on top of my health because of the diabetes. So they really, yeah, I, I was okay in doing the sports and the diabetes. They were both positives. I kind of used them to to help each other in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was first diagnosed, um, I was in college, but I was also an athlete. And I think that being an athlete 
helped my pre-diagnosis phase go a bit smoother because I didn't know I had diabetes yet. I think, you know, I was, uh, as a collegiate athlete, we practiced four hours every day, two hours in the morning, two hours at night. And I think that helped keep my blood sugars at least a little bit lower than they were. (laughs) And now after being diagnosed and obviously having a lot more knowledge about it, it's amazing seeing what exercise can do to benefit our blood sugars. Totally. Well, right when I got out of college, you know, and you're not working out all the time via high school sports, I noticed a huge change in my blood sugars, just like not, not being so active definitely changed them. So yeah, I think the, the sports helped so much. Yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of that, I know that you're quite the traveler. How do you deal with blood sugar fluctuations when you can't exercise if you've got some crazy flight schedules or if you're traveling to places that don't have uh, areas for you to exercise? Yeah. So that that's hard. That is tough, especially when like long hours on the plane and time changes. It's the worst and lack of sleep, you know, all those things are such a huge factor. Um, but I always find a way. I am queen of like the living room workout <laughs> or the hotel room workout. Um, I'll like walk up and down the aisle on the plane. I have to keep active or my blood sugars just like will not budge from the high. That's how my body loves to treat me. So yeah, I find a way. There's there's no excuses, I, I think, for not being oh, active. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's funny because before I was diagnosed with diabetes, my whole life, I grew up in a very active and healthy family. And on long plane rides, my parents would always be in the back of the plane doing lunges and squats just because they, they wanted to get moving <laughs> and get the blood flowing. And when I was diagnosed and I traveled a lot as well, especially with work, I took their habits and then saw their benefit for someone with diabetes like myself. And like you mentioned, so I've been doing squats in the back of the plane and, you know, lunges up and down the aisles on those overnight flights. So I totally get that. Oh, same. And you you know, the funny thing kind of relates. If you go online and you check diabetic before a flight, they'll bring you extra food on the flight, (laughs) which is nice, but kind of (laughs) counterproductive because then you're just like eating the whole time and oh, my, my sugars run so high on flights. Now I've learned to just dose more um, my long acting, you know, the morning of or the night before. But yeah, that's hard to manage. And being on vacation, you're kind of in that mindset, like, I don't want to work out. And, you know, I just want to relax. But um, my my trips are pretty active. So walking around all day and exploring kind of takes care of that. Yeah. And it sounds like you're on MDI, right? On injections? Yeah. So I do Novolog and Lantus injections and I have the Dexcom. Okay. Very nice. And what's what strategies would you uh, use when you travel through different time zones when you are on injections? Because obviously you can't set temporary. Bases. So that, that took me a while. Yeah, that took me a while to master. I've lived in Australia. So I'm from the East Coast. I've lived in Australia for a year and I lived in Samoa for a year both Australia was a 23 hour time zone difference for me and Samoa was a seven or eight hour so adjusting my insulin to that took about a week it was kind of just like a yucky week for blood sugar um but so the long acting I do once a day every 24 hours and I just slowly have to inject an hour different each day for the week or so leading up to leaving so it's just preparation really 
Um, so yeah, it kind of stinks because I was injecting like in the middle of the night for a couple days. Oh, wow. And you really have to like prepare for that time difference. Yeah. Well, you are very responsible, it sounds like, because I did not have that kind of dedication when I used to be on shots and going over different time zones. So yeah, I'm so you. worried. I'm so worried about like all the negative parts of it. I was so on top of it from day one. That's amazing. That's <laughs> that's way better than I did. <laughs> I was a bit ignorant at first uh, for the first couple of years, actually. But when I was traveling and on shots, I... Like I mentioned, I did not have the discipline to do an hour different each day. <laughs> and so I actually would just like, let's say I was going to a place where the time was ahead, like nine hours. I would just wait until the local time yeah, to take my long, long lasting, long acting, long acting insulin, my Lantis as well. Yeah, and yeah. so I would go, you know, a couple hours, depending on how long the flight was without any basil. And so I would just have to correct on the oh, flight yeah. as I was going obviously not the best choice but <laughs> i'm glad that you figured it out <laughs> yeah not the most convenient thing but it works very true so tell us a little bit about your travels then you've been all over the place from what i saw on your instagram yeah i love to travel my family's always done trips when i was growing up and post college um i got into teaching and uh, i actually graduated with a different degree than teaching but i wanted to get into teaching uh, I changed my mind too often. So I was looking at ways to get into it, and I noticed there was some teach abroad programs. So I got involved with World Teach, and um, I chose to go to the most remote, tiny island on the map. <laughs> and that was American Samoa, if anyone, have you heard of that before? Um, I've heard of it. I've never seen pictures or anything, though. How would you? Oh, there are it? no pictures online. It's oh, very really? remote, so excluded. I Holy mean, cow! Secluded, but it is beautiful, beautiful island. But unfortunately, very underdeveloped. Absolutely, the worst healthcare and just knowledge of diabetes is slim to none. Well, this so, sounds like it's going to be an incredible story about how yeah. you survived over there. Well, yes, survived. Um. So, anyways, I decided I wanted to go here. Um, just based off like photos that the program sent me and um, stories that I heard that other people that went. And I already had my mindset, oh, this is where I'm going. Um, and then, you know, the thought in the back of my mind, oh, wait, I have type 1 diabetes. Like, how am I going to do this? So first step, I went to my endocrinologist. And I have a good relationship with him. I go see him every six months and get, you know, my checkups and blood work. And I say, okay, I'm interested in this teaching program. It's like, oh, great. And I said, it's in American Samoa, uh, and I'll be there for a year, and I'm not coming home for the whole year. And that was a commitment that I had to make. And he didn't say no, but he definitely kind of discouraged me from going um, because I couldn't go get my blood work done for the whole year. I, you know, I couldn't see him for the checkup. He, he seemed very concerned. So we, we kind of left on that note. I was very discouraged and went home thinking like, maybe I'm not going to be able to go because of my diabetes. And that made me really frustrated and upset, obviously. So um, I did a lot of research online and I, and I talked to my doctor more over email and we found a way to send numbers with Dexcom through the internet. So 
that he could have my readings. And he said, okay, if I can get this all year, that's fine. And, and we can skip your year of blood work, which was kind of incredible for a doctor to say. So I didn't get my blood work taken that whole year I was over there. But, um, so I went over and, uh, well, before I went over, the next step was how am I going to get my insulin? Cause I can't bring like a hundred pens of insulin and keep them all cold on the plane. So we look into the nearest American um, island, which was Hawaii. That's the closest. And that's still a six-hour flight away from American Samoa. Where was that? It's Hawaii. Oh. So we looked into, you know, because there are no, sorry, let me backtrack. There are no pharmacies or, or anything like that on in American Samoa. So I was going to have to get my insulin shipped. So... We look into Hawaii and, you know, call the, we're on the phone, me and my mom and dad are calling all the pharmacies and the insurance company and figuring out like, how can we get this to work? And bottom line, the insurance just wasn't going to make it happen from shipping the insulin from Hawaii to Samoa. So we're like discouraged again. So finally, after hours and hours of research, my parents were such a huge help during this. um, We found this company called Express Ships and they are this huge company based out of New Jersey and they can express ship insulin in freezer, like um, styrofoam freezer boxes to anywhere. So that's what we got. We signed up for and I was able to get my insulin shipped to Samoa. On They had one flight a week that went there. So once a month or twice a month, I got uh, on one of those flights. My insulin got on one of those flights and got shipped over to me. And I brought all my supplies. I brought like a year's worth of needles and lancets and like all the backup stuff. I literally had a whole suitcase of glucose tabs. So that was all my packing was like diabetes supplies, <laughs> little clothes. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it work nonetheless. A headache, but I made it work. And so I get there and um, I was teaching in a, you know, super underprivileged school and it was beautiful 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 but really hot and the island really lacked um health not like knowledge of a healthy lifestyle the i don't know if you you ever see the movie like moana um so that that those people are samoan they're you know big people they're really big and that's just their culture they love to eat and eating is just like a huge part of their family life and their culture. So the food options were really not healthy, like a lot of rice and potatoes and like um, chips and candy. And that's just kind of what they lived on. So it was so hard to find healthy options there. And I really, really struggled with that. Yeah. So it was, it was a, it was a very hard year. Um, but I, I found ways around it every time. Like I found ways around everything. I was saying, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. So my, we had the island. I want to give you a sense of how small it was. We had two grocery stores on the island and Monday through Wednesday, they had fresh food, a little bit of fresh food that came in on a boat. And the end of the week, they had no fresh produce at all because it would get bought um by you know it would get taken 
And that was it. There was no like backup supply. It comes in on this cargo ship once every week or two weeks. So I would stock up on this fresh produce, but I'm kind of a picky eater and it was like really strange vegetables and fruits. And so I honestly lost 25 pounds when I was there because I ate so little and strictly vegetables because there was nothing else. I mean, these grocery stores were like when you'd walk into a gas station to pick up like eggs or something. That's kind of what the grocery store was. It was so tiny and really limited and a lot of canned food and a lot of really unhealthy food, like packaged food. Um, So finding a way around living a healthy, like wholesome lifestyle that I have here now was so difficult for me. Um, So I got really creative with my recipes and ate a lot of the same things. But I managed to make that work and not just give in to eating all this unhealthy stuff that was like tempting me all around. I mean, my I said I was a teacher. My students would come in with a can of frosting for breakfast and soda. And, soda. and they didn't <laughs> no. teach health in school. They had like physical education once every couple of weeks, one class. It was so hot that nobody even did it. They would like watch movies in it and stuff. I mean, it was just unbelievable the lack of knowledge about just taking care of your body and being active and and healthy. So that was hard for me. But luckily, being a teacher there, I was able to, I kind of like took it upon myself to teach a little health class um, for my students. Yeah, but I mean, that was hard. So that was really hard. And it was so hot there. It was like 100 degrees in their summer. And so going out and going for a run wasn't really desirable or easy. So even like my living room workout, there's no air conditioning in my house. So, oh yeah. I mean, working out was tough, but. Was like swimming an option? Was the water? Yeah, so I swam. That's what I did. I went in the ocean all the time. And that was my workout there. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. That's still very beneficial. Get your heart pumping and hopefully yeah, had yeah. some fun out oh, there. Oh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um, so I made it work. Yeah. So then I just I thought of something interesting. Were you living alone during this time? Um, I went over with somebody that I knew and we were in a program of about 15 other people from America. Okay. So like if you had some kind of weird hypoglycemia, then there's someone there to help you out. There was. Yeah, people that I was with in my program know what type di- type 1 diabetes was. Um, nobody was type 1 diabetic. I did not meet any other type 1 diabetics um, or ever talked about it. I, I felt very alone in that way. Um, and that's actually when I kind of started going on Instagram and looking at the diabetic community there or going online. And that's when that whole thing kind of started up. You already said this, but when was this trip? So this was about a year ago now. Okay. Um, I got back last summer Wow. and I was there for a whole year. Were you fearful while living there or were you just kind of winging it? Like what was the, the emotions you felt through that process? Um, I did have a very scary, time when I was there with diabetes, there was a huge hurricane and I was on. So let me tell you, the internet was so spotty that we wouldn't really get like weather updates or anything. So this news of the hurricane came really quick and then it was here. Like like we didn't really get too much of a warning like we would here. 
Um, and I was on my last insulin pen. We got hit with this hurricane and it was so much worse than, than was predicted. And we lost power for two weeks. So yeah, there was no water, no running water, no schoolers were canceled. Um, no power. So that means my fridge wasn't working. So I'm, I'm on the end of my insulin there and I'm like, Oh my God, what if my insulin runs out? Like, how am I going to go get another? So how it was happening is the express ships would send my freezer box of insulin um, on the plane or on a cargo ship, and it would get sent to the hospital there, which was like down the street. So I go to the hospital during that, which became open during the hurricane. And I said, um, how, you know, I need my insulin. And they said, well, our plane didn't come in because of the hurricane. No planes are coming onto the island. Yeah, so I had no. know, maybe 30 units of my short-acting insulin left and maybe four or five days of my long-acting insulin left. And I start freaking out. I was crying. I was oh, like wow. very distraught. What am I, what am I supposed to do? Um, you know, they don't carry insulin on the island. And she said, well, we have a military base. They have a military base on the island. And they said they have like an extra... They, she made it seem like this like top secret supply of insulin vials on this military base. <laughs> it was out of a movie. I'm what? not kidding. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm already kind of really nervous to take medicine. Yeah, I said I was a hypochondriac kind of. Um, and I'm like, I'm not taking, this hospital is yeah. dirty. And like, I, I just didn't trust. I'm like, I am not taking oh, it. She's like, no. I can get one of those for you if it becomes you know, urgent. And I said, oh, and mind you, they barely speak English. So the communication was just like so off and she didn't really understand the urgency of this situation. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll come back if, if needed. So we're, I didn't know at the time, but we were towards the tail end of this power outage and, and whatnot. We were in like the middle of the second week here. And, um, I just ate avocados and nuts and a power bar every day and lived off of like 20 or 30 carbs, just dosing as little as possible. And I was trying to work out to keep my sugars down and just not waste that insulin because I was stretching it. I was not going to use that, you know, sketchy insulin. So that's what I did. And then they called me up. I said, please call me right when that plane gets in. So they called me up a couple of days later and said, the plane is ske- like scheduled to land here and we'll have your insulin this afternoon. And I left school and got my insulin and I was okay. But that was a crazy situation. Holy cow. So how much insulin did you have left when the new batch came in? Oh, I was down to like that little, that when you would normally throw the pen out and then, yeah, it was nuts. It was really crazy. Wow. I did not want to go get that that other one, so I was just stretching it. At what point in your trip did this happen? Was this towards the end or like halfway through? So this was this was in February and I went over in August. So yeah, it was it was more towards the end. I felt pretty comfortable on the island and I had a boss, like a field director, she was called there and she was I told her about all this and she was kind of talking me through it and making me feel safe, but you know, nobody truly understands unless you're really going through it. And right. It was tough. 
Did that kind of shift your mentality for the rest of the trip? Were you a little nervous? Maybe like stockpiling insulin? <laughs> I was. I was nervous. Definitely stockpiled. I, I put um, a box in my neighbor's fridge who was also in the program just in case like something happened to ours because it wasn't really accessible just to go get another oh, box. Yeah. Like, I couldn't drive down to a pharmacy and just pick up another because sometimes my boxes went bad or something like that. My mom had overnight a couple, not overnight, it was like a week, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, nothing was immediate there. Everything took so much time. So, yeah, I, I was trying to be as prepared wow. as I could be. Yeah. I mean, that is a whole other level of independence and pushing your life to the limits of, you know, will I get my insulin time? That sounds like both a nightmare, but then also something that you can look back at and say, I conquered that. You know, I lived through it. What else can the world throw at me? Exactly. I think now I did that. That was probably the most I'll ever push myself. I mean, that situation was pretty crazy. And then I feel like I can go anywhere now can travel anywhere and nothing can really stop me or hold me back even with the diabetes. Heck yeah. So where have you gone since then? So since then, I've traveled a little around Europe and I've just been trying to explore the States a little bit more. So I was just down in um, exploring all around Florida and South Carolina and uh, went out to Colorado a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I love, I love exploring and traveling all around. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, what was your favorite trip that you've ever done, whether it's diabetes related or not, in your entire life? Sure. Um, well, crazy. So right when I was diagnosed, when I was, back when I was 17, a couple months later, we had a huge trip planned before I was even diagnosed to go to Kenya, Africa. And that was one I was really nervous for because, I mean, I, I was so new to diabetes. I was like, how the heck am I going to go out there? And uh, I made that work and that was just an awesome trip. We did a safari, two week safari, and then we camped out in the middle of the Masamara, which is just like the middle of this huge park, super deserted. Um, and we did like glamping kind of. So they set up really nice tents for us and we had meals cooked for us at night in the middle of nowhere, just my family. And it was so, so neat. And this was right after your diagnosis. Yeah. So that was the crazy part. But um, Oh, man. My cousin, he went and he's type 1 diabetic too. So I felt he had it for since he was really, really little. And he was about know, 15 at the time. So I felt pretty safe going with someone that was like an experienced diabetic. And he totally helped me out when we were there. And it was so helpful to have somebody that also had it on this on that trip. Oh, yeah. It's just an extra level of comfort knowing that someone else understands and that, you know, you can ask your questions to them. Yeah, and check up on each other. And do you have any glucose tabs? I forgot mine. You know, it it was really helpful. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. Okay, so Kenya was your favorite. And how long were you guys there? We were there for um, about two weeks. Wow. What made that trip so special? Well, we did, so it was for my grandparents' anniversary, and so we went all out, and we did this whole safari, and it was just so neat. It was just my family, and um, we had a whole tribe of people actually with us the whole time, and they were just taking care of us and um, cooking for us, and I, I really felt like we just got so much of the culture doing that. We got to know everybody really well, 
um, even though they didn't speak any English, we, we feel like we got to know everybody and it was just awesome spending time with them. Wow. So they didn't speak any English, but you guys were still no. able to communicate your, your gratitude, I assume. Yeah, we did. Um, like this, this whole relay race thing with them, they set up for us just all little things that they do in their normal life <laughs> or I don't know, like all their traditions we got to do. And, um, it was just really neat. We were showing them pictures yeah. of New York city and they were just blown away. And oh, I'm sure it was really neat. And we saw their villages and we went to their school and, um, we were teaching them the, I, the ABCs through song because they could sing, but it was, even though they couldn't understand, we could kind of like communicate through a song and it was really neat. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to talk yes. my grandparents into doing that for their anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool one. That sounds like a really nice trip. So uh, something that we like to do to end each of these episodes is to ask you what you would say is either your favorite tip or some piece of advice that you would like to give to our listeners. Oh, okay. Um, my favorite tip for diabetes, okay, is my favorite tip is to look into alternatives for meals or food. Um, like cauliflower pizza is a good one instead of a regular pizza. Um, cauliflower anything really is the best if you've ever tried it. It's just such a good replacement for like white rice or pasta, and it's so much like less carb and it's still delicious. Um, so just look into alternatives and then you cut some of those carbs and you feel better and yeah, and they still taste amazing. That's awesome. So I'm assuming cauliflower is your favorite replacement. Yeah. I'm really into that replacement right now. I'm in kind of a fad, <laughs> but I love looking at <laughs> You know, what's also nice about that is that it fills you up too. I've added cauliflower rice to my soups and it just makes it thicker and you feel like you're eating a lot more. It does. You feel like you're having pasta without that. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite cauliflower based dish or plate? I like doing cauliflower pizza. You can buy these frozen ones and they're so easy. Just buy the crust and then you can make it like a normal pizza, put like cheese on it, meat on it, whatever you want and put it in the oven 10 minutes and it's literally a pizza after and it's so delicious. Very nice. All right. Well, Abby, uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to check out your traveling adventures? Oh, okay. Uh, you can look me up on Instagram at Diabetes Travel Chick. And I also have a blog and website that I just started up. Called, it's under www.diabetestravelchick.com. Very nice. I love it. Well, everybody check her out. She's got some really cool travel photos. And as you can tell, some incredible travel stories. And Abby, thank you so much for popping on today and sharing your stories with us. Um, that was incredible. And I'm so glad that you're safe, <laughs> that you made it through, and that the hurricane <laughs> yeah. didn't wreck you any worse than, uh, than, it, than it presented itself. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. That's it for today, everybody. Hope you're all having a great day. And always remember to keep up the fight. Mm-hmm.